left my family. I left my kids. I left my nightclubs, my parking company, $35 million to fight the fight. And both families, Gambino and the Bonanno family, Joe Messina, the boss of the Bonanno family, I helped him against the guys who were ratting against him. He turned state evidence into worldwide. His underboss, Sal Vitale, came in and he ratted. The captain, Frankie Copa, he ratted. And alongside them, there was other guys in their family that ratted. Along with my family, the boss, John Gotti Jr., he ratted. Ronnie Warnham, you have the opening statement. He ratted. He said that I would kill him if he wasn't nice to me. After I tried to help him beat the case. Mikey Scars, DeLonardo, John Gotti Jr.'s right-hand man. He ratted. Greg De Palma, another one of John Guy's made guys. He ratted. Fat Dom, another one of his made guys. He ratted. Mikey Scars had Joe, little Joey D'Angelo and John Jr. had him rat because they turned on him. He had nowhere to go. Another guy, Mikey Scars' brother, well, they, they buried him. So he had a flip. He had to come in. And I won't use the word rat for these guys because these guys were left in no man's land by all the captains, made guys, giving these guys up one at a time. And we're live. We have a fantastic guest today, Mike Dowd. Um, first of all, I'm Felix Levine, Gene Barella, Johnny Alight, and our uh, and our guest, as I just said, Michael Dowd. Thank you uh, for coming on the Johnny and Gene show. I know personally, I, I can't even. I know John and Gene are excited, but for myself, I'm super excited to to have you here. Um, and uh, we're gonna get into it because I know that you and John have uh, a lot of stories from from back in the days so first of all thank you for being here and uh you know how's uh how's life been well, treating you the past couple of months thanks for having me and a life is uh, <laughs> a bowl of cherries i guess no I, I i i constantly have something going on i can't keep track of my life sometimes but the reality is i live a semi-normal uh, I guess I live a semi-normal life, you know, but I think this whole world today has changed. You know, everybody has interactions on a daily basis with people they don't even know. I mean, I mean, that's fair to say, right, between social media and whatnot. But um, I, I, I have issues I have to deal with like everybody else, you know. So, but as it's turned out, um, due to the things that we've done in our lives, uh, we've, <laughs> we, we've come across the pairings of some interesting characters in our, in our lifetime, and it's been... Uh, Every day is a wild ride, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Every day is a wild ride. Now, can we curse on this yes, show? Okay, because I don't want to. That's half my vocabulary, <laughs> and I don't want to. We don't want to limit you. I don't want to. Don't. I don't yeah. want to feel limited. <laughs> so I want to ask you, uh, because we got John right next to you. Do you remember the first time you you met John, uh, and what, or the fir maybe the first time you you knew of John, what you knew of him, and then when you first met him, what your first kind of thoughts were? Okay, so what I knew of John was before I knew John. Okay, so um, and I and I, I know this can be a sensitive topic, but I knew of John through the Gotti crew people, and 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 I know this. You guys have been going back and forth with some kind of verbal war for a long time that I actually got dragged into. But I don't want to, that's a side note. But you know, so I knew of John, but never knew John. And then when I met John, uh, somehow he he reached out to me, or I reached out to him. He sort of moved. I think you saw the documentary, right? Yeah, yeah. We talked about seven, yeah, seven five. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was he loved the documentary. And he knew my character. He knew me, even though he didn't know me, because he had dealt with guys like me in, in, in his life. And um, well, so, seven five, especially. And especially seven 
Muslim fathers. See, that's see that's 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 what confuses me because I'm pissed off that I wasn't getting paid, you know, getting <laughs> yeah. some of the some of the grease back then. Because he was running the streets when I was when I was there, you know, and that makes me a little upset, by the way. And why don't we discuss that later? Because <laughs> you may still have those connections or not, I don't know. But the reality is I I missed out on mine and I'm not I'm not too fucking happy about it. I think, truth. Before you came on, we were talking about Frankie Burke and uh me and Frankie actually did a double homicide in the 7-5, and guys used to ask us. Well, we just did a, a, sh a short show on it uh, recently, and uh, they said, how can that happen in the 7-5 and just leave a body there in the, the bodies? And I says, well, we got to ask Mike. We're down by the weeds? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, we only check the weeds now and then, because yeah, yeah. You can, cause if you went to the weeds, you were likely going to find a body. Yeah. So so that meant work, you know, and there was so much other work going on that they were already dead. So what can you possibly do? Yeah, people don't realize how busy the seven five was, especially back oh, in yeah. the day. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun though. Yeah. I have to say, you know, as busy as it was, it was. Every, you didn't want to miss a tour because something was going to happen that was really stimulating, exciting, and, and I don't mean too much pressure on someone's fucking neck. Like that's the, that's the, that's today's current stuff. Well, but just back then, it was shootings, it was rapes, it was robberies, it was murders, it was. Blood in the street. It was it was amazing. It was it was exciting. I'm glad we could bring you a lot of work there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. But you guys actually just fucked it up because you know, those were old murders. By the time we got there, they were done. <laughs> you know, usually on a patrol situation, you arrive at the scene of a fresh kill, which right. is well, fucking weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of killing over there. A lot of... <laughs> now, do you remember from your end, what were you thinking when you had first heard of, of Mike Dowd and then the first time that you met him, uh, you think this guy's... Crazy. No, I knew I knew a lot about Mike actually and his partner from the streets when I was younger actually, and then when he got jammed up. So I knew the the history behind him, the story behind him. I always liked Mike prior to even meeting Mike. So when we met, we hit it off right away. And he's listen, he's a lot of fun. He's full of energy, and you know, outside of uh, what happened to both of us in crime and jails, and you know, I'm talking as a human being. He's he's really. A, a great guy, good friend, uh, fun to hang out with, laugh all the time. And that's really about what life is for us now. I mean, like he said, it just changed. We got wild ride constantly. It's just, at this point, it's in a good direction. Right. Do you yeah. ever... Uh... So when I met John initially, um, physically met him, you know, personally, um, because he had reached out to me through social media. I, I, yeah. He sent me some message or whatnot. And then when I met him in person, it was like, Cause he's so handsome and he's got all this this glow. He's got a twenty four hour tan, you know. I, I don't know, you know. So now I, he caused me to buy a condo in Florida so that I can keep up with his tanning program. I don't know how the fuck he does. <laughs> you must have the bed in Cherry Hill. I don't know where you live anymore. But convertible, <laughs> convertible, <laughs> the hair blown back and the. Uh, but you know, so when I first met him, it was like you know he's fucking jacked, you know. And, I, and now I, I did a lot of time. I was jacked, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm almost I'm almost sixty now. You know? Are you? Yeah, I'll be sixty. You're a young guy. So I'll be sixty in a little bit, you know, uh, and, and you know, and you know, I come home, I was jacked and ripped, you know, you know what that's like. You come out, you're working yeah. out, 20, <laughs> you know. All the, I had it down to twenty-two minutes, by the way, because that's enough. <laughs> twenty-two minute workout, done. Really? Yeah, it was done, and, and ripped. But anyway, so, but, but I look at—he's handsome, he's glowing, he's got all his, and and, and and I'm like Johnny to myself. What the fuck are you doing for a living right now? Like, who's hiring you? You got 28 murders or something. <laughs> I don't know how many. They, 20, 30, 40. What did they give you? 40 now? <laughs> I don't know. They changed that number. But you know what? He, he, so, but, but, but Johnny was nice to me.
And you know what? When you when you go through the tragedy that that many of us have had in our mm-hmm. lives, you know, personally brought upon ourselves of, of our own of our own doing, when someone's nice to you for no ulterior motive, just because they understand, they empathy, sympathy, whatever kind of thing you want to call it, you know, <clears throat> agony. Um, <laughs> But that's a connection that we all, when we go through that, that period of our life, like if someone's real to you and reaches out to you with, with, a, with a sense of touch, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of shit right now on the street. Like people got to have empathy for one another, you know, and some places sympathy or not. But, you know, you got to understand one another. But when Johnny was so kind to reach out to me, I didn't give a fuck what he did or who he did it to because he wasn't treating me that way. And, and, and you know, we want real people to treat you like a real human being. And that's how Johnny treated me. So at that point, you know, it doesn't matter what he did yesterday or who he did or didn't do it to. And that's, that's, that was the way, I, I, that's why I, I, you know, call it full in love, whatever. You, you know, have that bro thing with someone like that because right. of that feeling and because of that connection. So that's, there's still people from, from you know, the, the past life that you've been able to stay, that you've stayed in touch with or still are friends with, either that you worked with uh, when you were in the, you know, in the police department. I mean, there's still, is there anyone that you feel like is a good friend that you still have from back then? Well, uh, you know, that's a loose term, right? Because, you know, good friend. What's a good friend? It's, you know, the dollar in your pocket, right? And and, and someone that, you know, when I have a question, are they going to answer the phone? I'm not asking them to come paint my house for me. I mean, you know, I, you know, like like I'll call Johnny up. I, I, I'm negotiating some kind of a deal with the movie people or something <clears throat> of that nature. I'll give Johnny a call and see what his experience was on it, you know? Some people don't have the time for you. You know, so who's your friend, right? You know, the, the guy that was took you on a fishing trip once, you know, is he... Mike, we were just talking about that, right? Yeah. Before you stepped in, we were talking about how when you got your highs and lows in, from whatever life, normal street life, uh, legitimate life, how people just ride the, the train to be your friend only when things are good. Only when things are good. And when things are bad, they don't know how to pick up the phone. And I think that's why we relate so well to each other is because uh, we kept it real with each other. No matter what, we're friends, good, bad, and different. We're gonna have our ups and downs, and I think a, a, a lot of people, especially when you come from the lives we came from, they just aren't sincere, and and it's hard to get some sincere friends. And 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 you hear the way I speak about Mike. Everybody knows that. You know a couple of my friends in Florida, and mm-hmm, you know different mm-hmm, things that mm-hmm. he that he socializes with and talks to. And you know it's hard to find real people, and especially today's day, it is. Do you, do you guys feel like, you know, I mean, you guys all had your different experiences that now in this, you know, next life, do you feel like it's harder to trust people? I mean, I'll start with you, Mike. Do you feel like, can you, do you feel like you're able to fully trust anyone these days? Well, no, no, but, but, but let me premise that by saying, you know, I, I'm more cautious about who I give information to because information will always be used against you. Right. No matter what it is, you know, I like red cars and short skirts. So if I say that to someone, if there's a red car and a short skirt in the area, I, you know, they're going to use that against me. So any information that you give people can be used against you. You know, I used to think that that was a way of like connecting with someone. But oftentimes now it's like that's the first thing that's going to be put in your face or used against you. So you have to be cautious on that. But the reality is I've changed my approach. I'm. I was a guy because I'm a reader. I read people the, the minute I meet them. And within three, four, five seconds, I've determined I'll never go down the road with this person other than, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? How's your kids? Have a nice day. On the other hand, I look at someone and, and I say, okay, this, you know, with the first few minutes, yeah. you know that this person is not there to hurt you or use something against you. 
And that's that's how I sort of judge people today from my perspective, because <clears throat> when you share information with people, you, you're going to get burned one way or another. And, and, and you got to you got to know people aren't. Yeah, aren't, I agree with him 100 percent. Yeah, I agree with him 100 percent. He's right, because once you tell somebody information about what you're pretty much known for, like you're saying, it gets used against you. That that happened to me. Same scenario with all the robberies and stuff like that, where people would, now would blame me for everything that was going on. When night eight, when you know half of them I wasn't even responsible for, but just because I'm known for that, now it's you know he's right with the information. It's now I did it all. Right. Everything's on me, you know. So it's for me, it's harder to trust people now because I had so many close people turn on me, you know. And and for you, John, do you feel like in this you know post jail and post that life that even even just having friends, you know, in general, it's uh, do you feel like you you have to watch what you say or that you you fear that they're going to use it against you at some point? Well, I think what Mike said and what Gene said is you know as, as you get older, you learn a little bit more about life. And we had the experience of life experience as as Mike was on the street as a cop, so he's seen everything. He was educated as a cop. He was also educated. As a criminal, he was educated in in the in jails. He's educated in in, in people in general, and I think our lives uh, actually made us pretty smart and pretty wise. And as you get older, you get a little wiser. So I think that we learn to you know, one thing we can do we got a sixth sense as far as the street and reading people, just what Mike said, and and you know who's real and who's full of shit from being on the street and being with all the experience that we had. As we get older, we were Gene's age, you get a certain amount of experience. As you keep getting older, you start learning and, and you're deciphering through bullshit. And, you know, we've seen it all from drugs to bodies to good people to bad people to, you know, disloyal. You know, he was in on the force and whatever. He had a lot of disloyal uh, police officers that were his friend until he got jammed up. And then there was like, you know, see well, you The guys were at my here. house one day partying with me. Oh, and the next day... they. Oh, he could sell sand to an Arab. Like these are the comments that are being made about guys that that you think got your back. You 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 baptize their kids with them and shit, you know. And all of a sudden, it's uh, uh you know, he can sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, right. who the fuck says shit like that about right. about yeah. you? This is a guy that you had in your house, trusted around your family. I mean, <laughs> and how how has your mentality changed? You know, since since going to jail. I mean, what in this you know second kind of life? I mean, how. Well, so I've learned that uh, you really don't own your life, you know? Like, a lot of your life is like, my life has been controlled by somebody other than me. So, uh, and that goes back to, like, the information you share. So I try to not to put my life in control of somebody else's hands. So the more mistakes that I make or the more information I give you, it, it, I, t I lose control of my own life and destiny. So my experience, I mean, I have hundreds of experiences, probably Johnny could tell you, in prison and, you know... But um, for me, I, 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 I immediately cut people off more quickly. And, and I was, I'm not that guy. I'm a sociable, gregarious, you know. And that's how I learn, right? I share and I, I get information back. But for me, I've, I've made my world smaller. If that's a, if, you know, even though there's a social media world, I've made my personal world smaller. Hey, Brian, what the heck, Sean? Were you going to jail as a cop? Was it harder for you in there? Like, did you have more situations or did they have to, like... What was it like being in prison, known as being? So I'm gonna break it down for you. I right. figured this situation would come up. So right. every day was you felt like someone was gonna come after you every day. Would that had you in population? Yeah. Wow. No, I chose the population. Wow. Yeah, they wanted okay. to keep me in isolation. I chose population. Wow. Like, right. This is, you know. this is state I, up, up, up No, 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 no. This is federal. Okay. I started okay. out in MCC New York. I was there for two years, and I watched how it worked. Right. I watched how 
88% of that federal prison was cooperating with the government. Right. And, and, and you're telling me that I can't be in population with these fucking rats? I mean, no, you know, I, I mean, for, for real, you know? I love you, Mike, the way you talk. <laughs> it's true, though. He's right. Uh, you, you fucking guys, you, you're, 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 you know, who the fuck you think you are? And you're telling me that I, I got to worry about walking a track with this guy in the same area? And then it gets into some other stuff. But the bottom line is that I felt that if you're going to fucking be turning in, you know, all the paisan, right? They're all right. turning in their brother-in-law and their mother-in-law right. and their sister-in-law. And I'm like, all right. And then in comes the Jamaicans and Pappy Mason's and my cellmate next to me. I'm like, okay, Pappy Mason just was accused of killing Eddie Byrne, the cop, right. right? And I got Jughead, Jughead, Mitch, whatever his name is. <laughs> I knew him all back then, right? He was the, the probation officer they killed. You know, there's right. all these guys next to me, and they're all crawling for an extra piece of chicken. I mean, you know, I mean, you, are you serious? Like, I got I to gotta be worried about these guys? You know? I mean, I can handle myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm a hu one human being, you know. Two right. guys, you're going to have a hard time no matter what, what neighborhood you're in. But the reality was, this is, I can't do another 14 years like this right. in a fucking box. And uh, so I, I told them I was going to kill myself. They didn't let me out. <laughs> they let me out that day. Uh, you know, I mean, here I am. Why did I do this eight months ago? Well, I had first of all, I had to get a feel for how it worked, you know, and how, how prison would be. And then when I realized that most of the guys in there, like they would come to me, sneak talk to me. They always sneak talk to a cop because they still have that sense of that you're a cop. But a lot of people, even though they're gangster criminals, whatever, they still like talking to cops. Like, it, and I'm not saying they're sharing information with them. They just like to get a feel for what's going on because they know there's some balance usually. They know they got the wrong guy. <laughs> they know there's some balance in a cop, you know? So, like, like, like they bounce shit off you. I'm, gee, I'm sure you've done it in, oh, your, in your lifetime. I, I'm not putting you out there, but yes. I, mean, I know you did. You worked with them. Right. But, uh, but so... so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now, but that's how it was for me going through prison. I, I, I And one of the things that came back to me, and I'm going to put some guys on the spot, is the, the wise guys treated me like shit in prison. Not in the beginning, because they needed me. You know, in MCC New York, there's only like 42 white guys. Everybody else is black and Hispanic in there. And, you know, it's all clannish in prison, you know, even though most of the, the nicest guys were black and Spanish to me. And it turned out that the... The, the the wise guys that were cooking with the uh, I don't want to throw names but the Persico people and all, all those guys they they treated me wonderful in, in MCC you know but once I got to prison they, they would turn their fucking head and wouldn't even know me you know and that was like wow again you know again I'm getting disrespected you know what I mean and 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 of course I I would never see as being a cop in prison you don't seek a friend but in prison you know. Everybody runs up to you, hands you stuff, you know, your first day off the bus, get this, get that. They load you up with shit. And then when you go back to commissary, you know, you repay everybody. You know what I got, Mike? I had probably had about 30 cops at work for me. And one of them I talked about a lot. It was a very good friend of mine. I moved two hours away. He moved next door to me, Phil Baroni. And I told you he was a decorated detective. He killed with me, sold drugs with me. He was my bookmaking pawn. Everybody knows that. And I said, out of all the street guys that stayed with me, uh, and I had a falling out with this guy. He was probably the toughest guy at any gangs that had stayed with me. He took my back. He would shoot with me. He would, if I fought, he fought. Uh, the only problem I had with him was money. He was cheap as a bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, you tell him. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to tell you the truth. He didn't want to go to jail. I heard he was gonna, he, he was gonna eat the gun. They stopped him. But as a tough guy, the guy was tough. And I had other cops that stayed with me. Were tough guys. So I go back to the same thing I always say. 
I judge a guy for the guy. I don't care. Mike's the same guy for me. If he has no uniform or he has a uniform, doesn't matter to me. I think the weak guys do what Mike's talking about in prisons. Because if you're a pretty strong guy, secure guy, you, you're going to be the first guy to stand up because you don't need the crowd to follow you. Right. So, yeah, and, you're right and, about that. And, right. and this is the... And, He's a pretty tough guy. Anybody who watches anything or knows him personally, he's no slouch. So it's hard to go into a situation when you you don't know the situation. It's like me walking into Brazilian penitentiary. You got to feel your way around, right? You stick your foot in the pool a little bit and and, right. and get an idea. Right. And then once once you learn, you know, he's from the street. He knows the street. Right. I think once you know the street, nothing changes no matter where the location is. I'll give you two experiences that make you both laugh, and you'll and you'll probably you'll probably you'll, you'll get the gravity of what it was like. Okay, so now I'm down. You know, once you get down a while, you start to have that little confidence and that little varnish. Where you know, like it's like being a hairbag cop, right? Oh, this right. guy, don't fuck with that cop. You, you know, look at his nightstick; it's dragging on the floor. His gun down by his ankle. You know, <laughs> you got a problem. He's not the guy that's all well, Johnny Cracker or whatever. But anyway. So uh, I'm in, I, I get transferred. I'm like nine years down, 10 years down. I call it a hunger strike somewhere, whatever. Anyway, and then I ended up, uh, I like to say it because they'll change my fucking level if I have to go back to prison because I created some kind of hunger strike. But I didn't create it. I just helped organize it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I won't say that because I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but anyway, so they transferred us to the brand new Brooklyn MDC, and I ended up getting transferred to McKean, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I and, was there. I yeah, and, and, and I ran into G, uh, Joey uh, Gambino. Joe? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't look me in the fucking eye one time. But he had me help get uh, my roommate at the time, Giovanni Zarbano, because they were on trial, and that was his like rat, whatever, whatever guy was supposed to testify against him. He says, tell Giovanni, please don't fuck us. So I, you know, I'm the middleman relaying messages to this criminal organization, right? <laughs> and, 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 and they hung the jury because Giovanni wouldn't fucking sink him at the trial because I, we discussed the messaging back and forth. You know, right. I'm the fucking pigeon. And, uh, <clears throat> and I get to McKeon nine, ten years later, and he's like, Joe, Joey's got his head turned to the fucking ground. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Wow. I, just, I just fed your brother in the other prison I was in because his brother had to... Yeah, but you want to, I got to cut you. You want to hear a funny story, Mike? <laughs> I'll give you a funny story. Milano was the mayor of Camden. And it's on the opposite side of what he's saying now. Now, Milano's involved with everybody in Philadelphia. He's the, yeah. And he got an eight or nine year bid at McKeon. I go to McKeon right after you're in McKeon. And he won't talk to me. So I go in the music room and I says, what are you stupid? Why won't you talk to me? He goes, oh, you guys got me all jammed up. I get eight years. Now, I'm not involved in that case. I know guys are involved in the case. I go out there. You didn't need me. And here you need me. I don't need nothing from you. Right. I'm just trying to help you out because I feel bad everybody's staying away from you. Right. I said, so I'm trying to do the right thing for you. And when you need something, let me know. You don't got to lock yourself in the, in the music room. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, he got friendly with me. But this is jail, man. This is just the way I talk about the street. And Gene, you know, because you came from this almost the same experience when you first came home now. You know, people want to grab onto you and gravitate. Like when Mike's movie came out, seven, seven, nine, uh, seven five. Five. Mm-hmm. I mean, whoever doesn't see it, you got to watch it. And it's got to get into a, a, a motion picture. It has to, because it's incredible. His life story is incredible. And I know the 7-5, and he knows. I know a lot of guys that work with me from the 7-5 that were dirty. And, you know, it's funny. Guys want to know you 
at certain places, then they don't want to know you. So you got to have thick skin and right. say, you know, fuck it. Who doesn't right. want to know me or like Right. Me? Well, right. Mike, I want to tell you, in Rikers Island, in the state, they probably wouldn't let you come out of protective custody, no matter what. Well, what they they, they wouldn't. No. The state, they would, Rikers Island, they would never let the you state out, no matter would, what. But Rikers Island wouldn't. I know never. That. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, wouldn't. They have a whole unit for that. They would have targeted you. They have a whole, you, unit, yeah, have you, a whole unit for yeah. that, though. So you're really mm -hmm. not locked down then. Right. So it's a different life, you know? Right. That, but, but I, yeah, I know that. But in, um, so, so, I get to McKean, I gotta tell you this story. So I get to McKean and, and, and I'm there about three days. And this guy, big black guy, the size of this building, walks up here. I'm taking a pee and, and I just finished hitting the weight pile. And uh, I'm taking a pee. And this guy, the, the sun goes, he blocks <laughs> out the fucking sun. He's so big, right? And he goes, wrong bone, man. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm here three days. I'm down nine, ten years. And I got somebody going to tell me I'm using the wrong bowl. All right. And uh, how am I going to get past him <laughs> before he takes me? I don't know what's going to happen here. Right. So I go, what? <laughs> I cut him in half with my fucking. He goes, he looks at me like, what the fuck's wrong with you? I go, what'd you say? He goes, you bold, man. I go, I thought, I thought he said you got the wrong bowl, man. He said, you're bold. So I go, what do you mean by that now? I go, right. I'm just stay tough, right? <laughs> I'm sort of going, oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> I go, what, what do you mean by that? He goes, use that cop in New York City? I said, yeah. He goes, you don't give a fuck? I go, no. He goes, I'll just let you know, man. You're all right. You're all right here, you know? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, thanks. You know, thanks for letting me know. I'm all right. I, I don't know. About a week to two, about three weeks later, some Irish guy named Mike from Boston. And you know the Boston guys are the toughest guys yeah, yeah, in tough. the joint. They're yeah. the toughest guys in the joint, straight up, because they're hard knuckle motherfuckers. Yeah. They don't care. All the Brinks truck They'll guys, right? Yeah, all the Brinks. He's a yeah. Brinks truck guy. Shea right. brothers, they were yeah. friends. He, with he me. wasn't. Yeah, I yeah. know him. I, I, they were in with me if, yeah, yeah. initially. My yeah, friend, right. knows him MCC. Good. My friend, yeah, really good. Guy mm -hmm. had one of the guys. Yes, yeah, that's fine. He's a good friend of mine. The guy's hand was all fucked up. he got twenty-eight years. Anyway, so. This guy's walking by, he's, and you can tell he's a squared away, straight guy. And it turns out he was former military, Marine guy, whatever. And I always see him looking at me, you know? And he just keeps walking. And then one day he says, Mike, like he catches me off, off guard somewhere. And I go, what's up? He goes, I, I, I got to tell you something. I go, well, he goes, I, I want to walk with you. But... And this is like, this is like, a, like this is like a, 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 I shouldn't say this, but he goes, this is what he said to me. He said, I've been down like four or five years. He said, and I watch you around here. You never stop doing what you're doing. You never hide. You're fucking always out there. You're a leader. You're in front of the pack. You know, you take the track, you do this. And so I said, yeah, and? He goes, I don't have the balls. He says, this is his words. I thought I was a man until I saw you. I'm like, what? He goes, I want to talk to you, but these fucking assholes here, Tell me to stay away from you. All the wise guys and all the fucking wannabes and whatnot. Tell me to stay away from you. Don't talk to him. He was a cop. And like, I'm here for fucking shaking the world down, you know, <laughs> good police officer. But whatever. I mean, I'm not proud of it. But you, you know what it is, Mike? And, and again, they don't want to be known I, as walking with a cop. Well, I know all the Yeah, yeah even though I'm a fucking. That's it. Uh, yeah. I can't come out of prison and say I'm a cop. Still. Well, right. Can I? <laughs> that don't work. Can there's, I get a job, maybe? <laughs> there's rules on the street and there's rules in jail. Mm -hmm. Right. But the same thing he's talking about, there was a pedophile priest that. 
Uh, oh. He molested about eight kids. Well, he probably more, but he copped out to eight kids. Right, right. And uh, he's meeting different guys from the joint, and he's giving them newspapers. They're not supposed to talk to him, right? But they're meeting a, a pedophile, mm. and right. that's okay for them. Right. And I end up slapping the guy, and everybody's like, what are you slapping him? And they called me uh, PPP or something, Porn Police Patrol. <laughs> and I said, and now there's another guy that's there as a cop. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like everybody else. Right. I talk to him, I play bocce with him. I go, you guys fucking kidding me? The guy's a criminal. He's a gangster. Why wouldn't you talk to him? He, we, he was doing work for us out on the street. Yeah, it was okay he then. was helping. It was okay then, but you used yeah. to talk to a, a, a pedophile priest and take his newspaper. But the difference is some guys will stand on their own two feet right. and some guys won't. Right. And I could give a shit what anybody says anywhere I'm at and everybody knows that about me. I'm so out there now the same way right. that we're friends whether we're out here or inside me and you will be right. friends. Right. And a lot of your old guys that were involved with the 7-5 were my friends back then and some of them are still my friends. But it doesn't matter because these guys change the rules as you go. And that's the problem. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a week before I came in, I was working with some Columbos, okay? Yeah. For real. Like, yeah. Right. Thank God it stopped where it stopped. Right. You know, they're doing time for bodies. You know, I'm, I'm, they're probably not doing time now. None of them are really, you know, everybody's fucking gave the next guy up for the, right. next, for the next guy. But I, I'm working with the Colombo guys that are in the war. I don't even know about this war. I heard about it. Guy's got holes all over his body. Yeah. He goes, we're at war. Who's we? <laughs> I thought he was talking about Vietnam or something. Yeah. We're at war. I, I don't know. There was two factions, arenas, oh, yeah. arenas, and the yeah, other. actually three. <laughs> nah, well, yeah. okay. See, I don't know. But all I know is they're at war, and I'm working with this guy, and he's trying to all kinds of shit. And I'm like, okay. Arena, arena got life. Joey Scopel got killed, killed yeah. and Persco just died. So that's the Wild you know, Bill. yeah, they killed Wild Bill. Yeah, yeah, Wild Bill. So you know, yeah. during the, these in the early '90s, they had the war. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. in the middle yeah. of it. I, yeah, right. I didn't know though. <laughs> I'm going to this guy's body shop, and he's like, oh, he's locking the gates. I go, what's the matter? He goes, ah, the war broke out again. What war? What are we fucking, the Gulf War? Yeah. I mean, yeah what's going on crazy. here? He's actually one of the nicer guys, too, Joey Scopo, that died. I mean, really, it was a nice guy. And uh, unfortunately, in that life, one of our friends was involved in that killing, Anthony Russo, who's a good friend of mine now. But that's just part of the life. This is just the way it goes. This treachery is unbelievable. And uh, just what Mike's hey, saying, or me and Gene hey, always talk about. Hey, Mike, the, uh, one of my friends was actually a bodyguard for Joey Scopo, and he said he used to walk around with grenades. <laughs> he says, come on, man. Yeah, They're walking into yeah. sit-downs with grenades. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I said, this I is don't doubt crazy. it. These guys are crazy. <laughs> one of the guys spoke Vietnamese. <laughs> one, one of the Colombo boys, like, his, his body, he spoke Vietnamese fluent. And he was like, he was like, he, he sit with his legs crossed and shit. And I'm looking at this freak, and 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 his, and, the, and the guy he worked for, I don't want to give his name up. He was a monster. He was the biggest guy you want to see in your life. All right, and and this is his bodyguard. He's half his size. Yeah. So I'm looking at this, I'm this guy and say, well, he's your bodyguard. I don't fucking get it. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, well, he he does the real dirty work. You know, that I can't that I can't be doing. You know, because he don't give a fuck. You know, yeah. okay. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, that's enough for me. <laughs> Do I need to know anything else about this record? <laughs> Good. Do you remember the first day that you got in jail? I mean, did you ever think that, you know, you were a cop, so you were used to putting people in jail. Did you ever yeah. think that, uh, so did you feel invincible? <laughs> well, well, I felt well, invincible I mean, before jail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the minute before. <laughs> right. And then but right when you step in, I mean, what's going on in your head? So there's two phases here. There's the first phase when I got arrested 
uh, which was like quite the scene. What a movie scene that is. Holy flying fuck. Anyway, uh, and, and um, so I get arrested and then I get transported out to Riverhead and I'm in Riverhead County Jail for a while and I know I'm going to be either bailed out or I'm going to end up, you know, taking some, you know, decent little stupid plea and, and say I'm sorry to the world, which I, which I am and was, but still, you know, it's at this point in my life, I've paid my fucking dues, so I don't really get hung up on that shit anymore. But, like, I'm ready to go away for a little skid bit and say, because uh, people don't know the stories, is I knew that all they really wanted was me to quit. Right? So now you're going to sort of force me to quit. Okay, I'm going to quit. <laughs> right? So, so, so here I am getting ready to quit. Right? I'm, okay, get me out on bail. Let me quit. And, and, and things going to go back. Like, that's how you think. You're so fucking, like, your mind is so not in tune to really what's happening to you. That that's what I'm thinking. And then I get out on bail, and then I get set up by Kenny when we're out on bail on The Wire and all this other shit that went on. And then when I hit the feds, and I'm driving in, and the, they got me in the back of the car, and they're driving me into the fucking federal building. And it says, the guy says to me, they're so slick, because these guys, you know, they had a little bit of that edge because they've been there before. So these detectives, they got me and they drive me in front of the federal building and they drive me past and says, United States of America versus you, they tell me. And I went, oh my God, this isn't good. Well, you got 15 years, right? Well, yeah, what was, 14. What you okay, yeah, yeah. You, what he you got 14 years, though. Yeah. Phil right. Baroni, now let me give you a comparison. Phil Baroni sold drugs with me, killed with me, bookmaker with me, did... An armored van with me, part of the conspiracy. I did it, but he stayed home, but I had his badge. And he did <laughs> armed home invasions. He got three-quarters uh, uh, pay, mm -hmm. right? Retirement. Like Kenny, like Kenny. He got only 10 months in jail, and he became a multimillionaire with my money that I made him. Right. Now, yeah. now let's take a comparison, Mike. He didn't kill anybody. Right. He didn't do any things that Phil did with me as far as murders and all this other stuff. And he got 15 years. So well, look at the disparity. So I didn't get 15. Well, you're <laughs> I fucking sucked ass to get 15, okay? Yeah. Because they offered me on my first plea was 24 to 30 years. Oh, man. That was, and and I'm sitting there, and the, the question goes back to what did it feel like when you walked into the, So now yeah. it's United States of America versus me. Oh, man. And the guy says this. We take over countries, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm not going to do too good against them, right? What was your charge? What was your actual Racketeering, right. you know, RICO, right. uh, conspiracy to this they and that. They gave you a RICO? Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I should have been uh, mobbed up right away, right? right? I got the RICO, right? <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, I, I, they put they, they closed the cell on me. I'm in the hole, right? They put you in the hole right away when you first come in. Usually, especially guys like myself, cops, high profile, high profile. Yeah, I'm in the fucking hole, and I got guys crying on the inside. They're fucking. They keep leaving though. <laughs> These guys are leaving every day. Like, what the fuck are you going do to do to do? They come back like nine hours later. All fucking fed and fat and shit. They're going to the fucking prosecutor's office Profits. all day long, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there in my cell. When, they go, when do I get out? Like, what, what's, I don't know what's going on. What the fuck? I'm, they, they close the door. I mean, they bring me food for a few weeks. And I'm like, when the fuck do I get out? Like, what's my turn? Like, I'm, aren't I special? You guys are telling me how fucking special I am. You know, really? I'm all over the news. Every fucking day, the headlines of the news. Doubt this, doubt that. I mean, you know, my lawyer even commented, they're going to look for the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. You know, I, yeah. I was just one, when they, the Lindbergh baby kid. Anyway, so, but you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, this is it for the rest of my fucking life, man. And it's like quiet, like this. You know, holy fuck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
so that's how low you feel at that moment. Like, this is the rest of my life in this fucking cell. Like, I guess I can do I, I guess I might be able to do this. Like, maybe? You know, we're going to try it for a while, you know? And, 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 and over comes a well, a Henry Ochoa or Whirl or whatever, Rodriguez from the fucking Cali cartel. And he sees me fucking throwing my eggs out and I fucking whatever that fucking white stuff is that looks like oatmeal, but it's not. Uh, grits. Oh, grits. 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 Got, I'm not eating this. <laughs> I grew this. up on grits. Yeah, yeah. I'm eating this. I'm not eating nothing. I'm, I'm, I can't eat. And finally, this, this guy comes over to me and he says to me, uh, you got to start eating this stuff, man. <laughs> I go, this is fucking... He goes, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, thank God for guys with some wisdom that that that, that right. take, take a little guy, little guy um, he's half my size, but, you know, a baby like me coming in the joint and giving you a little bit of guidance here and there. Even though he tried to set me up with 500 kilo deal in the fucking hole, by the way. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm looking for help. And here's a guy, I got 500 kilos for you, don't you worry. And we got a friend outside who's going to make a drop and you're going to make, you know, two and a half million dollars right now. And I'm like, this is great. I should have come to federal prison years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, they're fucking recording everything, trying to give you another charge while I'm sitting in the... It's just, it's, wow. You can't, people, you can't fucking believe this. This is wow. what happens, man. Yeah. This is what happens all day long. Everybody's trying to get a Rule 35. All day long. Every, even in the witness units, they're trying to all do it. All day long. Yeah, it don't it matter. never stops. Right. Holy yeah. shit. It's crazy. They call me. You gotta, I said, what do I do? I made a phone call. Uh, now I'm like, I'm facing 24 to 30 on a plea. I tell them, fuck you, trial. Now they're trying to set up a new set of charges. I mean, they never stop. Wow. The feds never stop. Yeah. There's nothing too small for them and nothing too big. They will never stop. I mean, you, you gotta set me up. I'm in the lowest point of my fucking life. Can you just give me a break? You know, you got me for this. Can you just leave me alone? I mean, it's insane what they'll do to you. Well, they might have thought you had information about guys that maybe you, maybe other crooked cops. You know what I mean? They thought you could have gave. That's what they usually do. You know, it, 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 well, th that may have. They just want to keep the ball rolling. Oh, they never want it to end. Right? They exactly. Want, yeah. They like, 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 right. like they want to see if you know wanna, something about. They want to keep right. eating and keep mm -hmm. eating like Gavones. You know. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, you know. So much shit that happens. Do you think it was also because your trial was so public and was all over the news and everything that they wanted to make a big statement on, you know, getting these crooked cops and, you know, making a point about the no. NYPD? Really? No, they wanted it to end. Hmm. They wanted it to end with me. And that's why they made it so big about me. You know, if they could get a captain or a chief, what am I going to tell the fucking captain? Yeah, cap, I'm fucking making 8000 a week. I mean... Yeah. No, he's going to want half, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way, like people think, you know what I mean? You have your little crew, and that's right. it, you know? And, and if somebody on the outside steps on you, you and your crew, either you take care of them or you've put them in, and, and then you make more money with them. You, you use them for some kind of money-making operation. Wow. I had 12 guys lined up in uniform waiting to work for us. Wow. And they weren't on the job list in a year. I'm like, you guys got to go fuck yourselves, man. You better learn how to be a cop first if you want to go bad. You can't be a fucking bad cop the minute you start the job. It's ridiculous. And, and, and I don't promote that stuff. I, I, it's all wrong, you know. But I'm saying if you really want to, you, you're going to be, you're 22 years old. You want to risk your life and your future by taking these risks that you see that we made. You don't even know what we're doing, by the way. They just have a clue. Well, it might have had something to do with the car you were driving. <laughs> what was what the, happened or, to or that the big Corvette? money that fell out? <laughs> what happened to that Corvette? Some wise guy took it out of <laughs> the keys. <laughs>
<laughs> now, I was, uh, when I... Wall State. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. I paid my fucking debt on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other day I was watching, I was telling them, I was watching the 7-5 again, um, and my girlfriend, she told me, she was like, he looks so calm at that trial, and I've never seen someone be so honest. What's going on in your, I mean, you knew so many cameras, the world was watching, and were you, did you go in there like, yeah, I'll just, I'll tell him exactly as it is? What's going on in your head? Well, first of all, you, you can't lie in that fucking room, because they bring you a new charge. That's number one. And, and, and why lie? I mean, at this point, I was like throwing up, you know, uh, one of the uh, Mary Murphy, I think, from News 11 or at that time or two, or whatever the hell she was. She used one of these words, which, which I can't even and I know the word implicitly, but I can't repeat it right now. And I went. And then she like she she um, defined it. It's like it's like 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 you th like you were regurgitating, you know, and uh, so I looked at her and said, yeah. That's exactly what it was like. So, so, and I forget the word right now, but it, it escapes me. Uh, it's quite an educated word. One of my, one of my uh, five hundred words of power in that book that you read yeah, when right. you're in prison. Sure. You know, we five, all read it. You know, Everybody. Five hundred words of power. Oh my you God. come out with a vocabulary. Like, yeah. You don't know, now. Who do I speak to? <laughs> no one that I know could understand any of these five hundred <laughs> words. But um, so, so the gravity of that was like, I was in a hole for fucking nine months, right? <laughs> Man. And then I was in in, in, a, uh, in a cell with a bunch of uh, next to all the half these wise guys, uh, Masterano, Master, Frankie, Frank Masterano, does that make a Masterano? Masterano. There's a Masterano. I don't know a Masterano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had seven bodies, but he 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 was like the nicest guy in the world. He knocked the guy out right in front of me because the guy gave him a hard time over the phone. Boom, plastered him. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, bingo. Uh, but. But I, I mean, so so I come out of that environment and I'm in front of this like like I'm, I feel like I'm on vacation. <laughs> you know, I've been just in the, I've been I've been locked up for almost two years or not, whatever it was. I think I about fourteen months by the time I got in front of the, in front of that panel, and I had already gone through testimony with the people that were on the panel. I didn't know they were going to make me look like a jackass. Which, by the way, that's what they do. <laughs> you know, like someone might have wanted to give me a heads up on that. You know. So, Mr. Dowd, when you did this, I'm like, <laughs> bitch, you were trying to suck my dick. I mean, I mean, you were all over my shit, and, and, and now you're fucking talking to me like, like, like I stole your personal lunch money? I mean, for Christ's sakes, you know, you leave me. Anyway, you, you, I couldn't believe the, the way they, because it's all about them. Right, and I don't know this. I think it's all about me. Right, <laughs> that's how childish we can be. But you know, for me, it was it was it was a break to come out of the cell, you know. And they walk me. I got a suit and tie on, like a gentleman, like a gentleman. Finally, again, you know. Well, maybe I'm not quite a gentleman, but you know, decent. I look like a gentleman. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I mean, you talked about I think a little earlier, maybe about the the highs and lows in, in prison, but. Did you ever have a, a really low point? I mean, I've talked to, to these two individually about um, those moments, and I don't know if you can recall hmm. a time that you felt like you were at your lowest low, that there was absolutely zero hope. So, um, I guess, you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows, but there was a point where I had, uh, so this, people may have heard this, or, or, I don't know if John, Johnny is aware of this, but I had earned a year off of my sentence wow. for taking the drug program. Anyway, long story short, without getting out in the weeds with the story because it can get convoluted, I, I end up putting in for a transfer. Yeah, that's another reason, whatever. <laughs> anyway, long story. But so I put in for a transfer, and I end up. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a snippet. So the unit manager doesn't like me because I do paperwork. 
And don't, I never did paperwork in the street as a cop, right, but I'm a paperwork guy. Right, I, I, I keep everybody on their fucking P's and Q's. Well, people that don't know what paperwork yeah. is, it's when you're writing up counsels and cops and yeah. different right. things right. For, for whatever they're doing wrong to you. They take it seriously in Washington, though, when you send them. They take them seriously. So, I, so. by the time I get to Washington with all right. my complaints, you know, uh, now everybody's mad, right? You didn't do this for the guy, whatever. So, long story short, it took me four years of paperwork to get them to take a year off of my sentence that I had earned. But th it was about a, a, having a weapon in your possession doing any crime made you like violent for the purposes of the drug program. You didn't qualify for the year off. But that was an arbitrary rule put in place by the Bureau of Prisons. So I had to challenge them for four years. And then when I finally win, they refuse to change my sentence date. Another fucking year of paperwork to get them to change my sentence date. And finally, the unit manager says to me, after I put in for my presidential commutation of my sentence, because everybody's entitled to do so. That's what I, I just do what I'm entitled to. He goes, who the fuck do you think you are? You deserve a commutation. I says, I came to prison. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I volunteered for every program. I'm on your suicide watch, which I saved two people trying to kill themselves. For real. I said... I mean, it's in the newspaper, one of them. So there. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I ran your drug and alcohol program for five years. I was a peer counselor. What, I mean, what more could I do? Right. Uh, stop bank robberies from the joint? I don't know what more do you want. I've done everything that you could do in prison, essentially, to be considered for anything, uh, you know, rehabilitative, whatever. And uh, you motherfucker, you make us do all this paperwork all the time. Do you think you're special? I said, no, I just think I'm regular. And anybody who's done what I've done, you know, because I'm supposed to be camp eligible like in like a year. Yeah. Nine, 10, 11, 12 years later, I'm still in the fucking medium high the whole time, which, you know, camps give you a little more leeway, a little more room to, to, to be semi-human, you know. So I knew it was a tough battle all the way. Now this guy's telling me this. I said, I said he's a Mexican guy, so you know Mexican guys. They're a little. They think they're tough, you know. You know, and, and they are. They're good boxes, right? Yeah, I mean, they're great. Them. They're great boxes. Many of them, you know, they they can fucking hit like me. So I said to him, you, you want you want to hit me, don't you? Because you could see the fucking. I mean, I'm I can read people. <laughs> you want to hit me, don't you? He's just grinning at me. I go, take your best shot. <laughs> you and me, I'll close the door. We'll have some fun. I says, I'm sure you can fight. You're a Mexican. You know, like, right. like, bias, racially bullshit, whatever. The point is, if, if he's anything and he's a Mexican guy, he, he, you know, he likes to throw his hands around a little bit. I could tell he wanted to hit me. And uh, it was like boiling inside him. I said, look, uh, it won't go anywhere. You and me, we'll just do it. You know? Right. So he goes, I got a surprise for you. I said, oh, really? So, P.S., they transfer me. And he's part of my transfer team. Right. They send me to Devons, Massachusetts, which is close to the yeah, home, I know. right? Fort Devons. That's right. where I run into jo jo Johnny Gambino with the, with the paralyzation right. guy. Anyway, so they send me there. And when they send me there, I lose the year off. Of my, so it gets added back to my sentence. So you talk about, I mean... They put me on whatever kind of. They put me on all kinds of fucking anti-depressant drugs and shit, and put me to sleep for hours at a time because <laughs> Dor I, I was yeah whatever they put you. I don't know. I was I was gonna climb the fence. Like as I said, my release date was two thousand and three, and they changed it to two thousand and four because when I transferred wow. from this judicial circuit, the eleventh, where I won my case, the first circuit 
didn't have the same rulings in place. So he's like, one of the counselors came up to me and says, Dow, are you sure you want to get transferred? Like instead of saying, you're going to lose the year off, you're fucked. Because there may be some issues with your thing. I said, issues? What issues? I can handle all issues, right? I get there. I'm there about two weeks. They call me in these two little psychologist ladies. You know, cute. You know, oh, wow. This is my, my fucking lucky day in prison, you know. <laughs> I got two attractive young women around me. Uh, what the fuck? I'm still a man. And uh, we got good news and bad. <laughs> well, why don't we start with the, well, let's start with the bad. You lost your year off <laughs> when you transferred from fucking <laughs> Florida to, uh, to, to, to Massachusetts. I went, like, the floor would not hold me. I was so shot. Right. I was, so she turns around and says to me, do you want me to call an ambulance for you? Like, like that's, she saw. I was like, I, I physically, I was in some kind of a fucking state of. Well, you know what the thing is, Mike? People don't understand that. They'll say, what's a big deal a year? Because they're out here. Huh. I tell everybody, listen, for the kids that are out there, one day is too much yeah. when you're giving up your freedom. Yeah. So when you got time that he had, he had serious time, that year is a forever year. Oh. Yeah. And they don't realize it, Mike, when you, you know, yeah. because they're not in that situation. A day is too much. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the last day. 90 days feels like eternity. Right? Uh, the last 90? I, I, oh, was, my God. So, so end of the story is, <laughs> so I said, so, so what's the good news? She says, you got three and a half years to fight us in court. Hmm. And I did. And I lost. <laughs> but right. I fought, and, and a week before I got out, I got the final fucking thing. I, mean, I, I fought every, every, the first circuit, the third circuit, and, uh, and the 11th circuit. I fought each one, and you know. And I, I even made, they even printed like the case in, in the yeah. book, you know, once or twice. I don't even know anymore. All I know is I can't, they, they don't, they, it's nothing personal, by the way. Yeah. It's nothing personal. They're just doing their jobs. Right. It's like the communist system. And I, I, I tell people prison and federal system is designed after communism because it's really no one's responsibility. It's no one's responsibility. It just, just happens that way. Yeah. What did you think, uh, did you think about what you would do when you got out? I mean, and once you got out, uh, what was that feeling like for you? I wanted to go back. Really? Yeah. I didn't like the street. I was scared. I had to. I didn't know how to order a hot dog at a hot dog stand. Like my brother took me out for. He goes, "Come on, take you for a ride." We had like an hour or something break at the fucking halfway house, and I had to get something to eat. He says, "Come on, let's get a hot dog." And I went. Get, get it for me. Like, yeah. get it for me. And then they will follow me around. The newspaper people will follow me around taking someone else's picture. The guy got half a million dollars on my fucking back. They put the wrong guy's picture on the front of the Daily News. Or the Post, I forget. Which, probably the Daily News, because they fucking suck. And uh, <laughs> he, they, they put the wrong guy's picture on the front, put my name and my story there, and he said, as soon as the Daily News, he gets a half a million dollars. You'd think the motherfucker would send me a note and say, here's, here's 500 even, say hello. <laughs> you know, thanks. You know, here's a guy who come out, he's got nothing. He's in the halfway house, and now all of a sudden you got a half a million dollar check from the Daily News because they put well, when you when you get institutionalized, when you're doing that much, that much time, things move too fast for yeah. you when you first come Street home. There's is, an adjustment period. Street was scary as And fuck. you want to stay al alone, believe it or not, a lot. Yeah. And you, don't, you can't be around all the noise and the people. And the, 
a shopping center or a supermarket, you step back. Yeah, yeah. I think we all do it. You know, my sons used to say to me, what are you doing? I go, I'll wait in the car. Because I'd be in the store and I'd go back out. Yeah. And, you know, you sit in the car and I, I know you had to go through the same thing. Yeah. And Gene, you had to go through the same thing. After doing a lot of years, uh, it's just too much movement too quickly for you, especially when you're doing a lot of solitary confinement. But is it uh, is it also a fear? Or do you ever feel, did you did you feel in danger? Or is it mostly just you, you don't know how to really maneuver? Just the pace life? of society is different and everything's controlled in prison. You know, movements are controlled. Uh, mm -hmm. Housing units controlled. Everything's familiar. You know, uh, I mean, I would stand at the, at the don't walk sign, you know, waiting for the fucking hand to go down. I'm like, Jesus Christ, when's this thing going to... Because I didn't want someone to say, there he is, breaking the fucking law again. I mean, <laughs> you know, can you... Yeah. I mean, that's what, ha you know, right. that's what happens to people like us, you know. If we, if we, we don't want police contact, right. you know. And in my world, it was fucked up because I was the police. And then when I come out, I can't even say hello to the police. Hey, how you doing, guy? I'm like... Oh, they look at you like, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, like I'm the fucking scourge. Meanwhile, right. you know, they're on my nipple. You know, well, there's before. a lot of anxiety. And you know if somebody gets in front of you for confrontation, you're looking to run the other way. Yeah. Not out of fear of the guy. No. You just don't want, I, want I, any problems. I, and I don't want heads. you to bring me a problem. Yeah. Oh, I got my own problems? I don't need you to, to yell at the driver next to me, you're a fucking asshole, because right. he is. Because now I got to run. Right. You know, and you're going to say, what's wrong with you? you? You don't got my back? No, no, I got my back. You know, right. I'm the one who's got to answer to this, you know. Go back to jail. Right. right. For, yeah. for for someone's momentary, they wanted to get off on someone and yell at them. And all of a sudden, they got your plate and you skirped, you did this, you jumped the curb. And, you know, all of a sudden, police contact. I was in a car with two of my uh, good friend of mine's sons. They're big guys, six foot five. And they got into an argument with a driver. And we get to a red light, one of them jumped out. I was fuming because it doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. It's on you. It's on you. And and they don't really realize that. And after they got in the car, they were young guys. I said, what the, what are you doing, man? And they were, oh, it hasn't have nothing to do with you. Yeah, it does. Because yeah. when they come here, they're not going to care about any of you guys. None of you. They're going to care about me, though. Oh, yep. So, you know, they don't really understand it. You know, it's no way to explain it unless you're one of us where we know what it is because we understand it. And Mike, you got some sons that are, are good kids. Too. Yeah, you yeah, got, yeah. Uh, I, I got two boys. So yeah, yeah and you, yeah. you know, so he had some, you know, I don't know if he were help. I don't mean it that way, but support yeah. is the best way. Yeah, and uh, I, I spoke to one of your sons, one, yeah. good guys, Michael. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, and it depends. You know, some people don't have that, so it's a, it's difficult to come back to the street and, and uh, start again. Did you feel like, was there a point that you felt like you finally could reintegrate back into society? And, and how long did it take for you to, to get to a point where you felt comfortable going to the grocery store and doing stuff like that? Um, you know, it's a process. So you know, everything takes you know, step by step. I think the easiest thing was driving for me, you know, because, you know, being a cop and being a driver most of my life since I'm a kid, that was the easiest thing for me to do was to drive. And you found some comfort sitting in the car, you see, yeah. right? But for me... Like so, so the, the poignant thing for me at, at, at the moment that it, like it's movie worthy and 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 and, and this is going to probably be in the movie that would that they're trying to put together right now. I can't really tell you who the names of the people are, but it's the same uh, guy who did the seventh the documentary. He's right. involved with another organization that they keep shifting already. Sony owned me for five fucking years and they jerked me off, and now somebody else. But I I, I get home. I'm home about three or four days. Uh, and about f I finally get like a, what they call like a, a half day pass, so I can right. go see family at the house. Is that you guys do right. similar things? A couple hours, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So I go and I, I, I walk into my parents' home, and I go upstairs and, and I jump in the shower. And before I got in the shower, hold on, 
Hold on. You saw it? I wanted to ask you this. The shower slippers. Did you have them on when you went? Oh, uh, I had a problem with the shower slippers. That My mother's going, what are you doing going no, but, in the shower with but, shower slippers on? But my underwear. But my underwear. <laughs> underwear? Yeah, of course. On. My yes. underwear were on. Oh, that's great. Not the slippers. <laughs> the slippers in, in, in this case. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I can't be sure. It's possible, but yes. unlikely. <laughs> but yes, I did have a shower slipper issue still. Yes. But uh, uh, it was the underwear definitely on still uh, yeah. when I got in the shower. <laughs> and... Um, but on my way into the shower, I could look out the window and see my brother's kids, who I don't even know. I don't even know their fucking names, my brother's children. And so I, I go from, from, from view of that, and I get in the shower, and it's the first shower that I don't have to have my back up. Because even in the halfway house, you know, there's a bunch of schmucks in there running, knuckleheads running around. Some guy clipped my, I didn't lock nothing. Right. Guy clips my cash out, you know, yeah. typical piece of shit. Right. You think you'd fucking stop being a low life for a minute, you know? <laughs> I go to sleep, they clip my cash, you know. Uh, like, like the, the only cash I got in the world is in that drawer right now, and you motherfuckers took my right. cash while I'm sleeping. How about take rob me? If you yeah. if you want to take it, take it while I'm awake, you know. Anyway, so I'm in the shower. It's the first shower I'm taking in civilian life with no one around me and shit. And I cried for 20 minutes, at least. And I didn't, I didn't know if it was the water from the shower or my tears that were fucking basking me. I mean, and like, it was the best feeling in the world. Because there was many nights when you're sleeping in prison, whether you fucking admit it or not, you're crying. You're actually crying, you're bawling your eyes out, and you don't even know it until you, wait, wait, where am I? I'm in fucking prison Mike, still. Well, kissing the cement fucking wall, thinking it's your wife, your girlfriend, <laughs> or somebody you never met before. I talk about what you just said, because I've been <clears throat> in prisons in Brazil, and I've been in prisons in the United States, and I've been in prisons with tons of killers. And when people don't tell the truth to these kids, because it's very important to say just what Mike said, the honesty of... Everybody cries. If they say they don't, they're full of shit. And they do it on a yeah. sneak and don't it because there's no way, if you're a human being, it's not fear, it's the frustration, the loss of your dignity, the loss, I mean, it's every emotion that could probably go through you that you know, you're gonna cry and you're gonna, you're overwhelmed. You don't know how to release it. So, you know, if you can jump in a boxing ring, maybe you can release it that way. But when you're sitting there and you're thinking about your children, your family, your freedom, this, that, it's overwhelming. And I've watched so many killers, guys that were tough, tough guys, and I'm not talking just because they kill, but guys that got shot up themselves, stabbed up in the street guys, whether they're cops, whether they're le legitimate guys that got jammed up. But it's emotions, and it's human nature. And what I, I just don't like when people act like, well, they don't cry. Of course you do. In the state, in New York State, you hear it all the time when the cell's locked. And I wanted to say something for people that don't understand. Like, you've never been to jail before. When he says the underwear situation, you can't take your underwear off in the shower. You'll get chased out. They don't, you're not supposed to uh, shower naked. So to people that don't understand why he's talking about the underwear thing is that you can't. You have to shower boxes on. In Rikers Island or any state or whatever prison, you can't go in there naked. They're going to chase you out. And that's the opposite in Brazil. We're all right. naked See, that's, well, You know what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and, and where we're from, New York State, feds usually on the East Coast, so usually prison system is that you can't go in the shower naked. And and that's how it works. That's why he's saying, because I always wear showers. You have to wear shower slippers, which I was wearing for like six months when I came <laughs> home in the shower. My mother, everyone was laughing. What are you doing with these showers? I said, it's just a habit. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And so for you, for you, Mike, when you, uh, you know, you're breaking down at that point, is there any part of you that feels, um, you well, know? that's when I wanted to go back to prison. 
because like I don't even know my brother's kids. Like, where do I start? I don't know my kids anymore. I've seen, I've seen collectively maybe five visits in twelve and a half years how with my you, kids. How old are your kids? So when my you went kids, in? my son, my oldest son was five or almost six when I went in, and my youngest son was was just he was eleven months old when the feds picked me up. So and when you got out, they so were... when I got out, I was thirteen. Was a young one, and um, he was. I made it out for his high school graduation ceremony. Like, and that was the first pass that I got that they sent me, let me go for like a couple hours from the halfway high school house. ceremony. I high did the same thing for my high younger school graduation. son, Matt. Yeah. I just made it for his high school graduation, yeah. actually, same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, you know, hey, dad, you know, who the fuck are you? <laughs> but you get to you build a, a relationship back. I with built them. a better relationship, yeah. I think. I hate to say that for, the, for those of you that had to do the 18 years with your kids before they become young men. Uh, my relationship with my kids, I think, is better now than many because I witness family members have a relationship with their children. And my kids can tell me anything. They can do anything with me. I can call them out on their shit like no one else can. They're like, right. I, I remember a discussion my two kids had with each other before I came home home and I don't I didn't have the discussion I wasn't there but they said to each other we gotta straighten the fuck up because dad's gonna fucking know everything that's going on I mean these are kids he's 13 and 18 what, what, what do they gotta stop doing right what are they doing I, mean, <laughs> I don't know but I know I mean you know if you tell me you gotta talk about it that means you're up to something and also, also when you're in prison to talk to somebody every day it's hard to I like to call once a week with certain things because there's nothing to talk about yeah. every day you no, can't if you're doing a hard time yeah. I was in jail for years it's like yeah. you call what are you doing you know it's like I like to call like every week to hear something new or talk about something you're, new you know what I mean you fill so, my mind with something else right exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah all that the weight pile's getting they had three new <laughs> yeah. three new plates to that <laughs> the leg press that I don't do anyway because they fucking hurt <laughs> and talk about I mean I think that's really interesting you know you talk about your kids and, and then developing that relationship again yeah. did you almost uh did you regret that you couldn't see them for for all that time how do you then you know build that relationship so it's funny that? i still dream about them as kids as children but and, and half their childhood i don't even know right but I, I often still dream about my kids as as like from the day i left them you know and uh so but so re rebuilding the relationship it's the first thing i hit this is this is what you learn in prison johnny and Gino, um, no. Like, like think about that. Like, no to a, to your own child saying no. Like, you know. And 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 one day, not too long ago, I had to have a hard conversation with my one of my kids. I said to him, "You got to learn to be self sufficient, because if you start relying on others, that requires you to put yourself under their mercy." Mm -hmm. Uh, and you won't feel good about yourself in the end, you know. And you always and people, and I said this to my girlfriend too. People will always disappoint you, no matter what, no matter how good their intentions are, no matter how much they care for you. They're gonna disappoint you. Why is that? It's human nature. That's what people do. People are fallible. They're not perfect. There's no one in this. Well, maybe the Lord Jesus was, you know, and, but then I wasn't hanging around with him back then either. So I, you know, <laughs> the only thing I can tell you is what I'm told, you know. But uh, people are not perfect. They're fallible human beings. We all are. And you will disappoint somebody at some point in your life if you have that much of a connection with them. You're going to be disappointed just to some de variance of degree. So I learned to tell my kids no. And one of my first deep conversations with them was, I love you. 
if I can do something for you, I'll help you. But don't ask me for a fucking dollar, all right? Because I don't even have a life yet. Right. So don't expect any money from me. But if I have it, I'll help you. So the next time I rob a bank or flip 50 kilos, <laughs> I'll see you, you know? <laughs> but, but until then, which, by the way, hasn't happened yet, <laughs> don't ask me for a fucking dollar, you know? Of course, that doesn't stop them. But at least they know that I'm telling them that no is part of the fucking English language because I know for 12 and a half years, all I heard was no. Yeah. No, no, can I have no? Yeah, how, how's that this you walk up to a, this is funny and you may recognize this you have this cool thing they call main line and that main line usually stands all the brass from the prison right so as you, you, I would watch like, and it's usually the same 15 guys go up every day and talk to the same fucking staff and ask the same questions right squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the grease guys anyway they don't stop and I'm watching as, as the guy didn't open his mouth yet and the administrator's going like this. They know already, right. The answer's no. Right. <laughs> can't, no. As soon as you ask, can I, or don't even get the word can out, they're shaking their head left to right. They don't even know what you're going to ask. Like, can I say that you have lovely shoes today? They don't even know what's coming. You see, you know what's funny? Imagine getting reprimanded for taking milk out of the vegetable. Well, yeah, you see what he just he said? He brings things up the vegetable. When you leave main line, whether it's chow for lunch or dinner, it doesn't matter. You take, try to, like something is, is that they fed us, you, you take it and you put it down your, your pants or, you know, wherever, you hide it. And when you go out, they shake down certain guys, just randomly. And when they catch you, they're like, what are you doing with this? And you say, well, and they'll say to you, why didn't you just ask? Yeah. Because you already know the answer is no. That's yeah. why you don't, <laughs> you don't ask. ask. That's yeah. why we're stealing it. They're stealing it because, all. Because, you know, you want food at night. When you, when you, you know, if you don't have commissary or if it's something yeah, good. Lunch time's at 4 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dinner, dinner time's at 4. People are paying top dollar for peppers and onions, okay? We got everything coming out the kitchen. We're paying for this stuff. Eggs. <laughs> They're doing heists out the kitchen. I swear to God. I got stuff coming to all day. <laughs> hey, one day, you know, it's funny. You don't need stories. <laughs> The, uh, you know, you go to the mess hall for the officers and there's for us. Yeah. So, you know, inmates work in those. So we switched the food and we took their steaks. And it was, I don't know what holiday, say 4th of July. So we all barbecue, whatever we do. And we heist those steaks. <laughs> yeah. So we can eat good for once. <laughs> You know, but it's like, a, you ever watch Hogan's Heroes, the old show from years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's like a big, and it, you know, it's like a big thing for us to get away doing something yeah, as, <laughs> as petty as that. Petty. And these guys go crazy mad when they find out we took their food. But you get to go home. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're trying to get one good meal during the holiday. Yeah, yeah. And we have everybody working from the kitchen, throwing it out in the garbage. And then the guy that moves the garbage cans, yeah. he's moving it to another guy that's, you know, who's... You know, it's 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 a whole it's, process. It's a, it's but it's a, funny. Yeah. It's an intricate system. Now I think the now yeah. I think the COs have to pay for the meals now. Yeah. Yeah, they have to pay now to, to eat the. the yeah, food. well, we in the feds they had a uh, they had a, like a debit card. Like right. It was two dollars and thirty seven yeah. cents or something like that for them. They break it down. Yeah. You know, the feds has everything broken down to a penny. They I think it was like two hundred two dollars and, and like sixty three cents per inmate for the day. Like that's how they they fed. Like that's what the uh, or. That's what the budget was. So if you for had, a meal, yeah. So no, 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 not per meal. For all the meals. For the whole day. Yeah, yeah, for the day. Yeah. For the day. My so, cats get about I don't know 
to 100 a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we spoil our cats. Yeah. I, spoil I want to feed one of your cats. <laughs> uh, I love my cats. Yeah, well, I would never like feed I them said, the stuff we like have. Put <laughs> collar on me, motherfucker. I'll the, take it That's away. what the cat does, too. He bumps you with the head. I learned oh, that. Yeah, I learned that in prison. Yeah. I would be a cat. <laughs> was yeah. there was there ever, ever any uh, temptation when you got out to go back to to doing what you were doing? <sighs> so, I mean, it, the consequences are so severe. You know, um, there's always that like little sprinkle in your brain. You know, I could, you know, I know people. I could make, but the bottom line is, I know the end result. Someone's going to give you up. Someone's going to turn on you. And do I want to go through the same shit again? Because it ain't going to be pretty. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty no. at all. You know, I had a little brush on the way out. You know, this isn't this. You know, we had a little. You had a little mix up too here. Yeah, I yeah. don't know all your situations. Yeah. I know I heard some things, and I'm not sure even what they were. But I, I've had a couple of. How do I say this? Hiccups. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but like uh, caused by my own. Foolishness more more than anything else, and it's just it never. It's always bad, no matter what. It's always bad. You know, I'm trying to save someone's life. I can't really talk about it much. So I still can't. I'm trying to save someone's life. I'm driving under bad conditions, and I got arrested. Mm. I mean, I mean, oh, you shouldn't stop. Some, I shouldn't stop somebody from driving. A fucking hammer, man. Yeah. It's, it's, are you serious? You're telling me to allow them to get in the car because I'm trying not to allow that to happen. I'm in trouble. Tomorrow. Like, yeah. Like, because it's me, because it's my, it's who I am. And the judgmental, you know, the judgments that, that people have rather than taking it for what it's worth. I mean, so I've had to deal with it. And, uh, and, my, and that's why this. I hate to bring the, like this George Floyd thing. Can we talk about that stuff here? That we're staying no, off. Yeah, staying we're stay, off. You know why we're staying <laughs> off politics? <laughs> hey, why are we staying off politics? Because I'm a maniac of politics. Yeah, no, me too. But, 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 but the point is that, uh, like, it, it, the guy didn't deserve it. Oh, we know that. Right? Everybody knows uh, no that. One deserves, we're on agreement No on one that. deserves that. I, 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 and I feel that people would think the same thing of me if they talk disparagingly and say, ah, he's a piece of shit anyway. Like, that's the... That's the fucking mentality that people have. Oh, he's a piece of shit, so what if he's dead? Why, because you don't like me? You know, fuck yourself, you know? I have two people in the world that like me. Johnny, who killed 20-something people. And <laughs> Mrs. Burt over there, who depends upon... <laughs> <laughs> this morning, not so much. Tonight, maybe a lot. Well, you know what? If I take you to that that cemetery, hey, <laughs> you know what it might? No, you know. Here's the thing: everybody can judge whether they judge him or me or you or somebody else. Nobody's perfect, first off, and uh, we're all in agreement that he shouldn't have died. Right. But let me ask you something. Back off something else. Yeah. Where's your partner these days? Yeah, <laughs> is he is he is he public though? Yeah, he's public yeah. enough, you know, but no really kidding. No one gives a fuck about him. No, well, I actually <laughs> knew him back in the day. Yeah, I don't doubt yeah, He's a Rosedale yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a Rosedale. His brothers were yeah, robbing yeah. everybody up and down. I don't know if he remembers me or not, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, his brothers were robbing everybody up and down Cross Bay Boulevard. Yeah, right. In the bars over there. Yeah, sure. In fact, he's one of your bars. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I know them. I know them good. That's yeah, what, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and Kenny broke a girl's nose in that bar. Knocked the girl yeah. out there. Motorcycle guys or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, the, uh, with Kenny. Yeah. yeah. He broke a girl's nose. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I was just curious if he's no, public no, anymore because no. I haven't heard anything no, no, from no, him. No, no, no. So, so we had, so when they did the document, I'll give you a little background. So when we did the documentary, they came to me and said, would you mind if we included Urell in the documentary? Because really, you know, it's, it's, it's the good and the bad, right? So you got to have it. So someone convinced me, let him fucking share in it, whatever. And I did. And then he thought it was about him. Like, he thinks his documentary and the whole story's about him. He didn't do a fucking thing. I got every, I did, like you. Yeah. You did everything. Right. You did everything. Yeah. Like, there are people that go like this and like well, the spectators. Right. He, in fact, I didn't, and I didn't, knock, I didn't fucking knock people off. But I did more than even you did in your situation. Kenny did nothing but sit in the car and write paperwork, which was good because then I could do what I had to do, right? I didn't have right. to do the paperwork. That's all he did, and I changed his life. I made his life better. His life has never been better since the day he met me in 1980 something. Right. Because I, I put cash in his pocket that he never could dream of. The guy's fucking cash everywhere. You can't, you, can't, you can't fucking find it. It's right under your feet, you fucking idiot. I put cash in his pocket. He, he bought houses. He, he, he got a three-quarters disability pension because of me. That's Phil Baroni. <laughs> he did uh, I, I, he, I, I called him up from the fucking rehab. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in the farm, I said, listen, motherfucker, they're after us. Uh, and he goes, uh, I said, go, you got the bad wrist. He broke it once before. I go, go break your wrist. They wouldn't let him on the street. Yeah. One day they let him on the street. After four months, they let him on the street. It's Fourth of July weekend. The, 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 the levels, of, it was on details. They let him on the street. He catches a guy, brings him in, breaks his fucking wrist in the, in the, in the bathroom. I put him in this, I put his paperwork in front of the right people. Three quarters, eight, uh, I don't know, 12 months, 14 months later, he got three quarters disability pension for the rest of his life. Wow. So he's 28. He's getting $30,000 a year tax-free for the rest of his life, all the money we stole. And uh, now That's what Phil gets, about seven fifty a week. Yeah, clean. now he's free. Yeah. Well, they got raises. Oh, okay. they, they, got, they got raises. Mm -hmm. since then. But now he's free to do whatever he wants for the rest of his life at 28 years old. You know, that, People don't know that he wasn't working with me when this went down. He was retired on a three-quarters disability pension. Wow. And then when this shit, wait, Mikey, I need some, can you get me something? Can you, you know, mm. pss, pss, boom, bang, boom, like, ah, I got you, Kilo, whatever. And, and, right. then, and then it turned into the Megillah that we all come to know as the 7-5 as documentary. But, but anyway, so we tried to have, make amends with each other. Well, I tried, you know, and, and, and he actually gave some effort. But his, his, his wife got in the middle of it a little bit and, and with some, whatever. And I know the, that story, too. Yeah, a little dispute with his wife over stuff, you know, and... Uh, you know, he he took her back, which I don't blame him, but really she's wrong. They're both wrong, and um, it ended up uh, that you know we're on the fuck you phase now. You know, but you know when he needs me again, he'll you know somehow mm -hmm. send a message, which I think he already did, you know, a couple of times, because now they're back negotiating with us. And he was crying on fucking Twitter. I don't want to make a movie about the Seven Five documentary, <laughs> Dick. It's not about you, man. <laughs> You fucking, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything in the documentary. No well, tell him if he did anything, he's got to go in and do his 15 years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. They would have given him like 12 weekends for this yeah. guy. He didn't do anything. He just sat there. I be Believe it or not, he didn't do a fucking thing. And then complained that I was going in picking up cocaine for myself and not splitting it with him. Dude, I'm driving to Brooklyn, spending hours on uh, waiting for the drop. And you're at home, I'm going to drop off half a fucking brick for you? Get the fuck out of here. Like, like. <laughs> 
Well, that was part of the pay, in other words, because at, at some point the money was tight and whatever, so I was going and picking up my own shit. We're going to do, oh, by the way, here's half for you. Go fuck yourself. Right. You're, you're not sitting in the car with me for 14 hours waiting. It's my day off. <laughs> Good. When when the when the seven five documentary came out, what did you uh, expect from it? Were you did you think that people were gonna gonna look at it? And then did you feel like there was more popularity on you? Is this a two part question or one? It's a two parter. Okay, because this press conference is really <laughs> so 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 when it, when it first came out. So I actually went to the theater to watch it when it first came out. No, no. Wait, I'm trying to be accurate because because they did. Um, they do pre-screenings like this is like the weird thing they do in the movie industry like they'll they'll just they they call it uh, like the like people belong to a club and like in Princeton they, they show it somewhere and then I get I do a Q&A and then they show it in Monticello I'm just throwing don't go to Monticello but they show it in Monticello they'll show it in Brunswick in right. Jersey and, and all these little private little theaters groups and, and, and then at the end they'll do a Q&A I did like five six of them anyway so and then they released it at IFC Theater. And I don't know why I had this feeling. I sat by the door with one foot out in the aisle. <laughs> because I didn't know the final cut or anything like that, you know? And, but after they ran the film, and about five minutes in, I just, like, I just, just got right in front and I focused on, this is really fucking well done, man. It was just so well done. And, um, and, 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 and at that Theater, one of the theaters we were at, they had Joe Hall, uh, the detective. That I don't even know what the fuck he was doing in the film, by the way. Anyway, they had Joe Hall, who was a who was a squad detective uh, in seven five when I was there. Who we we hand we we handed homicides off to them, you know, and uh, not that we killed anybody, but we handed we took the homicide cases to them, you know, they would be running the cases. And he was a great detect, great detective, uh, superior detective, and I admired him. Anyway. He was bashing me on the because did a Q and A and 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 one guy in the, in the audience was a, was a black guy from East New York and he got up and I'm like oh here we go he's gonna unload on me you know because he says I lost half my family to drugs in the 80s blah 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 and he goes but you my friend are one of the smartest motherfuckers I ever met in my life I'm like are you serious like I'm looking around really does this fit does this shoe fit where you know don't you must have quit right anyway um, so. Joe Hall fucking like excoriates him and me by saying something like, "Here you are putting this guy up on a pivot. He he's he's a criminal. What he did?" I said, "Whoa, whoa! Now now I'm like, whoa! He didn't say that. He he started off by saying all the things I did wrong and how his family was fucked up from this shit, and now he's like a hedge fund manager of Manhattan, this dude, right? right? And he says this guy." Just was in the wrong spot. Like, like he was in the like referring to me. He was in the wrong profession. He should have went in a different direction and used his talents in in that area. And and you know things would have been different for him. And and I and his 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 response was, I appreciate you telling the story from a truthful, honest perspective. Right. He says because people need to put a. some kind of a focus on that era and understand why people were dead and why it was insidious. It was it was killing neighborhoods including the police like it affected all of us the crack the epidemic how it how it evolved it was like it evolved in front of your face and you know you're young you're impressionable you know i like 
jaguars and gooseneck. Remember, remember the gooseneck equalizers sure. and shit like that? I'm like, you know, I like that shit in gold chains, you know? I mean, I didn't get a gold tooth, but I was thinking about it, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's for real. That's that's what it was, Johnny. That's what it fucking was. <laughs> you purveyors of poison but fucking putting this shit in the street. I was like, this is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because from the perspective of a young police officer, it's overwhelming. I'm going home with six bucks in my pocket. This 18-year-old kid has 17,000 in his pocket. I'm going, what the fuck's wrong with this picture here? Yeah. That makes sense? I mean, yeah, I don't right. know. So, so, so it's not right. But it can wear out a motherfucker real quick, you know, so. Do you ever wish you had worked uh, in a different precinct? I, tr um, I started out in Queens in Jackson Heights, so if I stayed there, I would have been a millionaire real quick, yeah. all right? <laughs> Instead of catching the street levels, I would have caught the plane loads coming yeah, yeah. in Jackson Heights, okay? That's, that's so, right. yes, yeah. I wish I stayed in 110. <laughs> Jackson Heights in those days when he was uh, talking about Oh, where, my Lord. That's where that, all the roads came, came from. Yeah. That's where it all came from, you know? And wow. I tried to get back there like you don't even know. <laughs> wow. yeah. but, but because you've you got to realize, like, when you're a young police officer, you don't know this. You're a fucking little, like a baby flower. You know, you, it takes you four or five years to put it all together. That's when you really become corrupt. Right. Mm. And do you think that, you know, you went, at what point in did you know you were going to become corrupt? I mean, how, and was there, was there one moment in particular you knew, uh-oh? Well, there's two moments, but specifically one, I was a rookie cop, and I locked up a guy for DWI, and, and just to cut to the chase, he offered me $1,500. And I didn't take it. I was embarrassed. What the fuck are you to offer a police officer in uniform cash? Fifteen hundred dollars. That's a lot of money back then. I was making two two sixty a week. Wow. Right? I'm like, that's that's disgusting. How could you do that? And and then I was met with such I don't know disdain by the officers that helped me process the arrest. Like I was the fucking criminal in the room, and I'm like. Something's not right here. And then one time later, uh, when I got to the 7-5, and the 7-5 was such an exciting place to work because shit was happening all the time. And I get pulled over by, I pull over a guy from, I don't know, stop sign, bullshit, whatever. I'm doing police work, stupid shit. And all of a sudden, the patrol car pulls up behind me, and they get out, and they do a car stop on us. Well, we're in the fucking car writing the ticket. Wow. And they're like, dude, you can't come in this fucking neighborhood again. Like, when we're working, don't you dare step in this area. I look at my partner like, are you, is, is, do we have NYPD fucking uniform 7-5 precinct on? What the fuck's wrong with this picture? And I realized it's about control, possession. It's about don't stop at our stores. I mean, it's specific. Don't stop at our stores, don't eat at our restaurants, and don't give any tickets out in our fucking sector. Really? Okay. I'm getting a, bit, a little bit of a different picture here. And these guys were the same, same time on the job as us. It's just that they got there six months prior to us because there was such a big class. There was 3,800 of us that came out of the academy. <laughs> By the way, the, the most corrupt academy in history. Um, I mean, it's hard when you got 3,800 people coming through it. You know, it's, you know. You miss a few apples, but uh, it's but yeah, it's crazy. The era was that, that crazy. was that was the sixth largest They're like gang. They're basically operating like us. It was, I, a, it was the sixth largest police force in the world. Right, that thirty eight hundred class. When I walked, when I made my moves with Co, I always had one of these guys that were cops that would move with me. It's crazy. So if anybody pulled me over, the badge came out, whether it was a detective or just a uniform. But that's how I moved my Co. Well, think about Louis Epolito's pulling so, guys over and killing them. Yeah, it's so, you know. 
<laughs> Listen, and Mike will tell you, it doesn't matter what uniform you have, if you're a gangster, if you're a cop, if, you're, if you want to be corrupt and you want to be, if you want to make money on the street, you're going to make money on the street. That's why I kind of, I got to say, when I hear about you or anybody else that work with me, I'm saying, listen, there's no difference between any of us. Right. We were just guys that were, were screwed up by the system, that w whatever way you want to say it. We're not victims, yeah. obviously, but we wanted to make money from the street, and we wanted the fast money, and that's just in us. For you know, the, for the I call it a major bad. character defect. By yeah. The way. yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> so I mean, but but they can't say like when you get different guys going. Well, he's a cop. I ain't talking to him. What are you talking about? You're the same guys that were giving me information so I can give it to Gotti and Sammy, or Johnny Knig and, and Jeannie when they had the heroin case. My guys, detectives, were giving me this information. So. You know, it's part of the bigger picture, like the mayor was part of the, even though he didn't work directly with me. But for all of us to work in sync to make money, we all got to, you know, work together, whether they want to admit that or anybody wants to admit it. Just what he said. But when you go to jail, all of a sudden they don't want to talk to you. What are you talking about? He's part of what, how, how things were operating for us on the street. And you just talked about the government. Did you, I mean, you being a cop probably had some more of that communication with, you know, upper levels of government how corrupt was it at that time maybe on a local level and then if you knew of anything on a, on a higher see, level see well. that, that's that's a misperception because we learned okay so there was a lesson given to the police department okay in 1973 they had what they called the nap commission and the nap commission worked from the top down so what by that it meant all the payoffs that were being involved in the street game were, were delivered to the commanders of the precincts. They got theirs, they filtered it down to the ranks, and there was usually a street guy that was involved, a street cop that was involved in paying homage up, right? But, so, the, like, like the bag, they called him the bag man. You ever hear the word, the bag, he's the, he's the bag man? The bag man was delivering the money to the precinct commander, okay? My uncle was a bag man, by the way, and I, I didn't really know what that meant back then, but my father used to call my uncle, he's a bag man. What the fuck do I know what a bag man is? I'm 13 years old, my uncle's a bag man. Well, <laughs> he was a bag man. Anyway, so, um, but from the Knapp Commission, the whole police department changed. When I came in in 82, there was a hiring freeze between 75 and 78. It was the A-beam to Mayor Koch transition. So all the new cops that were hired were hired on the guys that had just gone through the Knapp Commission were their training officers. And they didn't talk to anybody. They didn't want to teach you anything because they didn't trust where the next shoe was going to fall and it was probably going to be on their own head. So they didn't talk to anybody. So now I come in in 82, 3,800 of us come out of the academy to a bunch of guys that really don't want to talk to us with any experience. So guys like me figure out that there's something going on here and no one wants to tell you. So... When you get approached by a young guy who's maybe his dad was, you know, on the job and this is how it works. And then I come on the job and he's shaking my car down in the middle of a car stop to tell me to stay out of his fucking business. It's crazy. Now I'm figuring it out. So I'm not sharing with above. I'm, I'm working with you and whoever I am involved with. Like the one key thing was I, I come across a homicide scene, a reefer spot guy killed his best friend in there whatever he was trying to be banged his girlfriend the night before so he killed him his best friend they killed each other anyway one guy's dead the other guy's cleaning up the blood i walk i come in 
and the marijuana and cash everywhere. I took some cash, put it in my pocket, because it was a nice little thin little thing. I, I didn't think anyone would miss it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and the boss walks in, the sergeant walks in, and he says to me, is that it? I went, well, yeah, there was a little more, like 800 or whatever, 900 in cash, a little thin little thing. And um, <laughs> it's like so small. <laughs> Who the fuck would notice it? Right. I'm like, he must, have, he must have an idea there's more fucking money. So, well, I, I didn't want to stick the blood on it and shit. So, you know, I was holding it separate from the 14,000 and, 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 and the four pounds of marijuana and stuff. Because a tray spot. Back then, a tray spot was every, every fake plate in the window. You guys have no idea. But anyway, um, so later on that night, I said to him, uh, we went out for a couple of cocktails out in Long Island on 110 someplace. Uh, I forget, Mulcahy's or something. I forget the name of it. Anyway, and uh, I said, Sarge, not for nothing, but, you know, you walked in there, you asked me about this. Uh, is that all there was? He said, he, I said, and I gave you the m money. He, he said, what if I didn't tell you? He goes, well, you made a big mistake by telling me. He says, don't ever tell me. He says, just take what you can before I get there. And then if you do get something nice, you can break me off a piece. Wow. So here I am, I'm on the job. <laughs> I'm fucking 22 years old, and I got the boss telling me, take what you get before we get there. Because the job had changed. Years ago, it was about the bosses. Now it's, we don't want to know. Mm. Just do what you got to do before. And bingo. I mean, if I didn't spread that rumor, someone had to, because it went around the 30% of the priests precincts in New York City had the same thing happen. Like the seven, every, every seven. Yeah. Seven nine seven one seven 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 three, seven five. I don't know about the seven eight, and seven nine. That all had the same thing happen. To wow! Them. But no one knows about those stories. They only know about mine. Yeah. To to wrap things up, I mean, you know, John and Gene, since they've gotten out, their their big message is, you know, making sure that the kids don't get involved in in this kind of corrupt life, and that it always ends right. negatively. For you, I mean, you know, you have a very different angle because you're you're a cop and all that. Um, do you have a message for, you know, to those kids that are tempted, they see a little money here, they know it's bad, it's going to lead to something on how to stay away from that and make sure that, you know, they don't end up putting themselves in, you know, positions that would get them in trouble? I usually try to say, and this is very difficult for young kids to see it through, right? Like, where is this going to take me? Um, you know, I, I was one of those young kids who came from a family of six, seven kids. And, uh, you know, we, we never really had, you know, we never went without, but we never really had. But I, I found for me that it, the message I like to, to leave is, look, it's never worth it. No matter how good it looks, no matter how charmed Johnny's life looked, you know, you just, you just spent another 10 years running around the, the world trying to stay out, you know. It, 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 you know, when I put my head down on a pillow at night now, I can fall asleep unless she's bothering me. You know, <laughs> I can fall asleep, right? Without having to worry if, if the knock at the door is That's coming. Right. And I mean, I still dream of prison. I hate to say it to you guys. I still dream of prison. I still dream of certain things now and then. I still dream of uniform, but I can't find my, I never can find my fucking gun. And I never, I never have my gun. But my, my, my message is, it's never worth it. I heard that message when I was a kid, but I didn't believe. You don't know it like I know. Like, like we all thought it was different for the next guy. But really, everybody, everybody ends up in the same place in the yeah. end, either dead or in prison 
or institutions, right? It's like yeah. an AA meeting here. Yeah, it's like yeah. dead yeah. prison or institutions. So. And the anxiety level is so crazy because when you're out there, you know, I mean, one time we had anxiety. A fake, I pulled over on the side of the road. I thought it was we had a fake tip one time, a fake tip that a pinch was coming down, and 31. it's like you're paranoid for the next. You know, you're waiting for it. You know, every day you're oh, walking yeah. outside, you don't know when it's coming, oh. what's gonna happen. It, it's it's stressful, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, that's a whole. Yeah, you maybe relive half my last. Stress. Three, my last three years. I'm sleeping in hotels. I don't want to yeah. go to the house. They're coming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my it's last crazy. three years were like that when, <laughs> when I was in the street. That's every day. Yeah. And then, then, then doing the time, you got to worry. Like right. not being a cop in prison. So you know, uh, every day, right. like every bus, every bus that pulled in was another sixty guys of potential pricks. You know right. that are gonna. Because I was a very good, and you might notice because you were around. I'm a very good conversation piece. Like. You know that there's a New York City police officer on the compound. So now you immediately have something that's of value to him. You have a conversation piece. So now you guys are fast friends, all talking about me. Right. And it was like that. I hate, I, like, I'm not that important, by the way, but that's how prison life is. It's never good to be isolated or solo target in fucking prison because no matter how big and bad you are, you ain't that big or that bad. Right. Beautiful. Um, well, I know for myself, I want to thank you. Uh, I know Johnny Jean feels the same yeah, way. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you nice on, and uh, we wish you nothing just, but just the best. Just get a lunch, uh, free lunch, you know, because after this, is that hit him up? Is that how this fucking works, <laughs> or is it because of COVID? I get, you know, the last you guy get to take out lunch. The, the last. The last, the last, the last guy bought me a lobster lunch, you know, in the fucking movie. Okay, and then the, what's his ass? Uh, what's his name? Not Joe Rogan. No. Uh, Did Rogan buy you a lunch? No, the, the, uh, the Irish kid. The Irish kid, uh, the, uh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg, did a movie. And in the movie, at the end of the movie, his girlfriend says, I want a lobster, and I want a lobster lunch, she tells him in the fucking movie. And I'm like, you prick. You fucking stole my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and, you, Mike. You got, Thank you, Mike. Yeah, say, give a shout out to Mark Wahlberg, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's supposed to play me. <laughs>